0: Hi, friends. Today, we are talking about how to introduce harmony in elementary general music and what the most appropriate age might be. My name is Victoria Bowler, and this is episode 29 of Elemental Conversations. This is a question from Instagram. And the other day, I just put up a question box and said, you know, ask me a question. And one of the things that came up was this question. What is the best way to introduce singing harmony in elementary music? Also, what's the most appropriate age? Thanks. This is something that is very applicable right now, especially as so many programs are starting up their after school choirs, or you are making those decisions about if that is feasible for you. I know also when this episode comes out toward the end of September, so many of us are also thinking about plans for a winter sharing event, whatever form that might take. And with all of that, we are likely thinking about. something like a choral arrangement of a folk song, or maybe um, some sheet music that we are going to look at through JW Pepper or something like that. This is a nice time to start thinking about these building blocks of harmony in elementary music, specifically as it applies to singing. And that's a good place for us to begin this conversation. We are going to answer this with an eye toward vocal harmony because there's another separate conversation we can have about performing in an instrumental ensemble. And in that conversation, if we were talking about how to build these arrangements, we might have more conversations around bordoons or rhythmic interest on the fifth or color parts and, and things like that. And I don't want those two trains of arranging to arranging and composition to get confused. So I just want to articulate this clarification at the beginning. We are moving toward vocal harmony specifically. For our purposes, let's divide harmony into two categories. With this question, most of the time when we talk about introducing singing harmony, we mean like part singing and more specifically things involving parallel harmony. Most of the time when we talk about this, we are thinking about something that you might find notated in a score that has the the formal category of elementary choir. And that is certainly one way that we can explore harmony is something like, you know, a three part SSA kind of thing or a two part treble arrangement. But for us, I want us to actually zoom out and start this category conversation in a more broad way. Let's talk about harmony as just two or more parts performed at the same time. Another way to think about this is the texture of music, and sometimes when we talk about this texture, we are adding a melodic component and uh, or a pitch component, I should say, and that can be things like chord harmony or root harmony or singing in a round or a canon or parallel harmony. But sometimes when we talk about texture, we just mean layering in rhythmic parts. Very often, we can approach melody more intentionally. Very often, we can approach melody in a more concrete and grounded and useful way if we actually back up and look at rhythm first. So that's why I want to start this conversation. Not at part singing, but actually at rhythm. One of the very first textural understandings that students are going to work with is this idea of rhythm versus beat. If this is a new concept to you, number one, you're not alone. A lot of times we confuse these words. We'll talk about um, having a cool beat to a song, and we actually mean like a groove in the background. We don't mean the steady, consistent pulse of the music. And so this is a term, beat specifically, is a term that in the real world can have many different meanings. But in our teaching, for our purposes here, we are talking about the steady, consistent, underlying pulse of music. Rhythm is another word that gets thrown around a lot outside the music classroom. And sometimes people can use it to mean a lot of different things. But for us in the elementary music classroom, We are using that word to describe the long and short sounds of music. And very often when we introduce this at the beginning of the music learning process, often in something like first grade, we are going to talk about the long and short sounds of the words because so much of our rhythmic understanding comes from number one, the body, but also from speech. We are deriving these long and short sounds from speech. So at the beginning of this process of texture, we are going to talk about rhythm versus beat. All of our other harmonic work is going to come down to this ensemble skill of staying together. And so this is the very first part work skill that we are going to start, and we can begin it as early as first grade-ish. I'm using (laughs) huge-ish with this um, very early in the learning process. So this can be something like pat the steady beat and sing the song. It could be play the rhythm on rhythm sticks while other friends in the classroom pat the steady beat on a tubano. We might step the beat and clap the words. We could play the melody on the recorder where other people are playing the beat with a chord bordoon. And... For this purpose, we are going to talk about simple chord bordoons, but there's obviously a whole other conversation about all of the many different ways we could use bordoons in the music learning process. That's a separate conversation. I'll also point out that I was talking about using ish in a very loose way. I don't mean to say that this is something you are going to do in first grade. I do mean that it's something that's going to happen at the beginning of the learning process. But do you remember this opportunity to play the melody on recorder while other people are playing the beat on a chord bordoon? This is something that you can do at the middle school level or with your older beginners. The big idea is that this is a very early understanding because when When we work on part work in the early grades or early in the music learning process, part singing and parallel harmony are going to come so much easier. That's our first understanding, rhythm versus beat. From there, we can move on to ostinati. An ostinato is just any repeating musical pattern. It's something that happens over and over. Very often, this is going to be something that is four beats long, and at the beginning of the learning process, it's likely that this is going to use a beat and a beat subdivision, or what we notate very often as quarter notes and eighth notes. An ostinato can be rhythmic or melodic, but we are going to work on rhythmic ostinati first. And this is something else that we can do in first grade, but then moving towards uh, different levels of complexity in the older grades, or I should say further in the music learning progression. Especially in terms of melodic ostinati, this is where things can feel like a real choral arrangement, but you're doing them as early as maybe second grade or so. Again, depending on the ostinato. I wanna circle back to the rhythmic ostinato patterns. Uh, What I mean by that is let's take uh, apple tree. Let's take the song apple tree and you would say, uh, this is one approach to creating an ostinato. And this is a whole separate conversation, but very quickly here, let's say that you are playing the game to apple tree and you say, hey, we need an ostinato. Let's think of one together. What would you say if if you are walking in an apple fell on your head. Oh my goodness gracious. What would you say? I have done this with uh, second grade and someone said, I would take the apple and I would split it into pieces and I would share it with a friend. And I said, beautiful idea. How could we speak that with a steady beat or speak that with a rhythm that works with a steady beat? And this is where uh, again, this is a separate conversation, but this is where we can have students creating their own ostinati or they might give you an idea and you translate it for them. So this one ostinato pattern that this person shared with me turns into split it into pieces, share it with the friend. Split it into pieces, share it with the friend. And then you'll sing and play the game. The steady beat is in our feet as we play the game because that's the whole point in this purpose. That's the whole point of playing the game is that our steady beat is in our feet. So we'll sing and play the game. And then when you're out, you can go to the middle of the circle and speak the ostinato. Split it into pieces, share it with the friend. So right away, uh, again, this is happening first, second, or third grade level we are working on ostinati and partwork and partwork independence and partwork interdependence very early in the music learning process also notice here when we talk about when is the best time to introduce it and how we should be introducing it the answer is going to involve some sort of student ownership and student contribution and the answer is also going to involve some sort of game or play based experience even if it's not a formal game like Apple Tree, it's still probably going to be something very fun and joyful and musical and age appropriate. It is unlikely that we are going to start the part work process the vocal harmony process by having students sit down with a score in front of them you know seated in a chair and just doing exactly what the music says it's much more likely that this is going to be a fun exploratory experience that we get to create in community that is one of the coolest things about part work is that it requires more than one person great we've talked about rhythmic ostinati and even if something doesn't come in your score whatever you buy right if you are looking at oh i don't know game plan if you're looking at purposeful pathways if you're using quaver whatever it is even if that does not come with something that says uh, use this ostinato we can still create these ostinati and these uh, patterns with our students great that's rhythmic ostinati Another very easy way to start ostinato work is just by pulling little sub phrases from the song. This is one reason that starting with the pentatone, with the pentatonic scale, is so very, very convenient for us. This little collection of pitches is so adaptable and we can use it in so many different ways. That is one fabulous reason to start exploring the pentatone before we start exploring uh, these half steps, you know, scale degree four, scale degree seven. Let's take something like Rocky Mountain. I mentioned that we can pull things from existing songs and use those as ostinato patterns. Rocky Mountain is a nice example of this. So let's imagine that we are going to sing Rocky Mountain, but then after we sing it once as a unison melody, we can pull different subphrases from that song and use them as layered ostinati. This is just one example of multiple possible (laughs) examples, but here is Rocky Mountain, uh, just the song first and and then pulling some things for melodic ostinati.
1: Rocky mountain, rocky mountain, rocky mountain high. When you're on that rocky mountain, hang your head and cry. Do, 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 do remember me. Do, 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 do remember me. Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain high. When you're 'round that Rocky Mountain, hang your head and cry. Rocky Mountain do do, 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 remember Rocky Mountain
0: do, 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 me. So that's something that we might do, perhaps somewhere around third grade. Something else that I developed was also for the planning binder. This is an arrangement of who has seen the wind, and this is for upper elementary. The reason I developed this arrangement was one, because we were in kind of a unique spot of looking at things that we were going to start preparing soon, and then also practicing some previous concepts and everything like that. This is one reason that arranging your own music is a very pedagogically convenient thing to do because if you need something to be artistic and something that your students will enjoy and that also fits some of these curricular goals, you creating your own arrangements for your own classroom is a very nice way to kind of check all of those boxes. Arranging is probably a different podcast episode, but just going back to this idea of creating lots of fun ideas from simple ostinato patterns, here is who has seen the wind. We're going to start this with an ostinato that can be uh, hitting the desk or hitting the floor or something like that. This is practicing takadi in this particular sequence. Um, So we have ta, ta, takadi, ta. Ta, ta, ta The lowest part in this recording is singing a, a cinco-pa, di pattern. And then this upper part is singing something with mi re, do and takadimi. So this is the arrangement.
1: To hey.
0: So two examples there of just pulling stuff from the song. Let's move on from (laughs) "Ostinati." You can see how long we could spend just on this idea of taking a repeating musical pattern and recycling it over and over and over with increasing levels of complexity. And we see that with something like Rocky Mountain, where we're just pulling stuff straight from the song itself. And then we see that in another possibility of Who Has Seen the Wind, where we are kind of creating our... Our own layered textures of ostinati based on our pedagogical purposes and by the way if you are interested in using these in your classroom by all means please feel free if you want to use them in your classroom or an informants or anything like that absolutely these are fair game just say who has seen the wind arranged by victoria bowler and you have a thumbs up from me to use it however you would like including taking it apart and creating your own ostinato patterns, or better yet, asking your students to create some patterns. All right, let's move on. (laughs) The next thing that we can do is chord roots. This is a very nice way to start working with functional harmony, especially when we can uh, kind of correlate it with students' cognitive knowledge of tonic and dominant if we were going to take something like great big house in new orleans this is a very easy thing to do i like to put up some visuals of houses that are tall and houses that are short these short ones are going to be the low note and then the tall ones will be the high note or in other words tonic and dominant If we're going to do that, we can also have students walking around in open space with a low level and then a high level. Here is one example of how that might sound. We have one voice doing the chord roots going between tonic and dominant and then another voice singing the melody of the song. Here's what it sounds like.
1: Great big house in New Orleans, 40 stories high, every room that I've been in filled with pumpkin pie great big house in new orleans 40 stories high
0: every room that i've been in filled with pumpkin pie Kind of fun, right? The planning binder has a process that kind of sequences this from the movement and just moving to the low and high sounds to dividing up who is going to sing the melody and who's going to sing the harmony, and then putting it all together. And by the way, this is something that we are singing in this example here, but we can also play it on barred instruments. So at this point, we have a pretty broad collection of partwork skills that we can use by the time that we are in maybe 3rd grade ish uh, we have lots of options for singing in parts and things that can sound really musically cool and sophisticated and fun to listen to, but that are actually using some very simple processes. You know, things like an ostinato and chord roots. Very, very exciting. So students are not being asked to interact with harmony, with texture and part work for the very first time in sixth grade choir. We are gradually moving up to all of these uh, partwork understandings that we can use in a choral setting, but we're using them very early on. Again, beginning with something like rhythm versus beat and then moving through different levels of complexity depending on what students need at what point in their partwork development process. The next thing that we can talk about are, I'm going to lump these all together, partner songs and what I'm calling partner fragment songs and counter melodies. This is kind of a step beyond the uh, the ostinato idea because now it might not be something that repeats every four beats. This might be a little fragment that lasts 16 beats or so. Something that comes to mind right off the bat, I'm not going to do like a full... Um, Uh, arrangement recording of this song, but this is a song arranged by Judith Cook Tucker and it's called Yonder Yonder Come Day. This is something that I have done with fourth and fifth grade and they have really enjoyed it. Um, I did this before students were at a notational literacy level to work on these concepts, but we were able to talk about melodic contour with these songs by just writing the Uh, not using the notation of the song, but just writing the lines to show the high and low sound. So this is something that you might keep in the back of your head if you want to, perhaps you're at a new campus and you want to start choir, but you know that your student's notational literacy level will be limited. We don't need to only give students notation that they can read, or rather we don't need to only do songs in a choral setting that students can read in terms of standard Western notation. Sometimes we can use these songs as an entryway to standard Western notation by talking about the melodic lines that we can see and pitch relationships. So this is yonder come day we have a main melody and then we have a higher part and a lower part we're going to sing yonder come day day
1: is a breakin yonder come day oh my soul yonder come day day is a breakin sun is a risin in my soul, the lower part is yonder, 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 yonder. yonder. Upper part is sunrise. sunrise.
0: Is something that I learned early and so if you have access to this sheet music and you're like Victoria, you are an eighth note off. I would believe you. I'd say, Oh, you are absolutely correct. And actually, now that I think about it, I think this last part, um, sun is arising in my soul. I think that's how that ending melody goes for that upper part. The idea here is that these are not really ostinati in the way that we think of a short repeated musical pattern. These are a little bit more substantial, but they might not be. Be considered songs on their own or melodies on their own. These are what I am considering to be partner fragment songs. I've never heard anyone describe them in that way, but that is how I think of them. We can contrast that with something like partner songs, which is when we would take an actual melody. Like let's imagine two folk songs that can happen uh, at the same time. Again, this is another reason to favor the pentatone because many of these songs will sound very nice together because they use that same collection of pitches. Several months ago, I did some independent contract work for a music company, and this is one of the things that I was demonstrating in that workshop, is how we can take some of these partner songs and layer them together. So here's an example that I used in that particular project. This is Tidio, this is uh, Weevily Wheat, and Bow Wow Wow. Off the top of my head, I cannot think of a pedagogical reason to use all of these songs at the same time per se, unless you were in perhaps an after-school choir setting, and this is something that students already knew, and you say, uh, tidio friends, will you please make a circle over here? They sing the song and walk around in a circle, and then you say, Bow Wow Wow, friends, please make a circle over here. Weevily Wheat, friends, make your circle over here. And then we have three separate circles happening in different parts of the room so that students can Hear each other, but they're also hearing the other people around the room. And then you would be in the center snapping a steady beat or, you know, playing it on rhythm sticks or whatever it is. So here is an example of these melodies layered together. One quick note, the ostinato that was used in that particular example is pass, pass, jingle at the window, pass, pass, jingle at the window. So going back to this ostinato idea, it's not like we are going to stop using rhythmic ostinati when we move on to partner songs. These are ideas that we can layer on top of each other to really add some interesting texture. So there we go. That might be a little bit busy for something that we would put in a performance setting, maybe, probably, but I think it sounds very nice to hear how all of these different melodies work together. And again, having something that is in the pentatone family makes for a nice candidate for partner song. So that's, uh, again, something that can be very convenient. Let's move on. We've talked about rhythm versus beat. We have talked about ostinati, both rhythmic and melodic. We've talked about chord roots. We have talked about this layered individual song idea, partner songs, partner fragment songs, and counter melodies. And now let's move on to rounds. In a round, we have one melody, but it's sung by two different groups. In this case, two different groups of students and one will start and then the next group comes in sometime later. Sometimes it is two beats, sometimes it is four beats. Less often you will see things recommended at the eight beat marking or so. Part of this Question was about how we can go about introducing harmonic singing or part singing with our students. So when we talk about singing in a round, the very first thing we're going to look at with this and with all of the other part work stuff we've been working on, the very first assessment is do students do it without your help? Do students sing the original piece without your help? Or do you get the sense that they are really relying on you singing with them in order for them to sing the melody tunefully and with a consistent steady beat and with the right lyrics and everything like that? And again, just to reiterate, I don't think that I mentioned it before, but this definitely applies all the way back to the beginning of our progression, starting with rhythm versus beat. Our very first assessment is to observe our student musicians doing the baseline task without any assistance from us. The next thing we do after we have conducted that assessment and we notice that students are singing or playing the game or speaking the rhyme, whatever it is, on their own, then we will say, hey, friends, listen to each other because I'm going to try to trick you. So don't let me mess you up. I'm going to try my best, but you need to listen to each other. And then students will sing the song. Let's take row, row, row your boat. Let's go to a classic. Students will sing row, row, row your boat and you wait a few beats and then you come in after but notice it is like the class versus the teacher. Then from there I can have some students that I tag to be on my team and they will sing coming in second with me. So we have this tiny ensemble with the teacher still against the rest of the class. So you kind of gradually move it from um, one class versus the teacher to gradually adding more students to the teacher side and then eventually we're split even. 50% of the class comes in first, the other 50% comes in second. One strategy that we can use with part work in general, but working in a round specifically is having students walk around in a circle. As they walk around in the circle, that is the time to really, really watch their feet that everybody is keeping a steady beat in their feet and everyone is singing the song on their own. And then when we have this circle going, that's very convenient because we can hear the people in our group more than we can hear the people on the other side of the room in their own circle. Now, that said, we can direct those circles to either be close to each other if we are ready for that kind of, um, I don't know, level up. (laughs) Um, Or we could have two concentric circles. One is walking one way. The other is walking the other way. This is... Uh, Strategically, from a pedagogical standpoint, this makes a lot of sense, but it's also very convenient for something like advocacy or an informants because rather than just standing there singing, which is fabulous on its own, right? But rather than just standing there and singing something in a round, there's a movement piece to it and then along those same lines there's no reason that we have to be walking around in a circle all the time you might be familiar with the uh round i love the mountains i love the mountains i love the rolling hills i love the flowers
1: i love the daffodils i love the fireside when Oh, the lights
0: are low. Boom diada, boom diada, boom yada boom yada. You might be familiar with that. When I have done that, it works very well. Having students walk around in a circle, and that's fine. But there's also some fun movement possibilities of having students act out the flowers and the mountains and the daffodils in their small groups. That's very fun as well. So again, that's a nice way that we can use a pedagogical strategy for something that we could put on stage. And the movement possibilities here and the pedagogical tie-in and then the performance or informants tie-in that those movements can have, that probably is a separate podcast episode because there are uh, infinite possibilities there. So after all of this, this is, when I say all of this, after our rhythm versus beat, after our rhythmic and melodic ostinati, after our chord roots, after our rounds, after our uh, fragment songs and partner songs, after that, We are in a great place to start working on parallel harmony or part singing in like a two-part treble arrangement. We are very well set up for that, and we might be looking at those types of arrangements around fourth, fifth, or sixth grade. But again, I want to reiterate that our work with part singing has started all the way back at the very beginning of the learning progression, or at least toward the very beginning of the learning progression. Each step along the way, we are inviting students to make music together in community in a way that is age appropriate, that is musically appropriate, and that is interesting to them. We are always working on this challenge of how much of a support do you need, like unison singing or keeping all of the class together, doing the same activity, uh, like singing the same song at the same time. What are those supports that students need? And then what is is the appropriate level of challenge that we can also offer when we talk about part work, this is a really beautiful time to also talk about multiple means of engagement there is, as we saw today, there is a natural progression of how much challenge we are giving and how much support we are giving and so having these kind of a, a macro sequence, if you will of the, the progression of part work in terms of vocal singing having that big idea in place is very, very helpful, but then also having these scaffolds in our back pocket like when we talked about the round, having groups that are on different sides of the room, and then gradually using those circles and bringing them closer together, and then maybe doing concentric circles, maybe doing other movement activities, things like that. Those strategies definitely help keep students engaged, but one of the reasons that they are going to stay engaged when we do things like movement is that it is a pedagogically appropriate scaffold for what they need at the time. So there we go. This is a quick crash course in singing harmony in elementary general music. In answer to the question, what's the best way to introduce singing harmony? The answer is actually to back up and look at rhythm. And that rhythmic work will merge into pitch work, melodic work and harmonic work very naturally in the form of ostinati and partner songs and singing in around. And then the next question, what's the most appropriate age? Very early in the learning process, as students are demonstrating beat competency and they are demonstrating rhythmic competency, then we are ready to put those together and work on that distinction of rhythm versus beat. And that's really the beginning of all of the other harmonic and part work and ensemble work we are going to use in future years, including elementary school choir. When we begin vocal harmony, actually, with these big foundational building blocks of texture and steady beat versus rhythm, what we find is students are very naturally moving through a progression of more and more harmonic complexity as the curriculum moves through the K5 sequence. So there's not a point where we stop and say, friends, this is how you sing harmony. Harmony is one of those things in the form of texture that is naturally woven into our students experiences and it offers them and us a chance to do something that feels kind of elevated and kind of fun it is so fun to make music it is so fun to sing with our peers and that's something that we can start implementing in our curriculum very very early on